0: Welcome to the Coach's Edge podcast brought to you by Coach's Edge.coach. As we dig into shooting the rock topic, shot selection with my main man, Jaden Nichols, Kramer basketball trainer, as well as high school basketball coach. And before we dig into this, one of the most important topics was shooting a quick word from our sponsor. And we are back. Coach Nichols, what's happening, man? How you doing?
1: I'm doing great. Just getting ready for the summer season and just ready to get out for it. It's
0: an exciting time of year, man. We're, we're getting better. You know, we ask so much of our players to improve during the offseason, and the same is true for us coaches. How are we getting better? Listen to this podcast is one of those ways that we can continue to improve. Now, as you saw on the podcast link or the YouTube link, shot selection, maybe one of the most important passionate areas for me when it comes to shooting the basketball. And if you're one of our Coaches Edge.Coach members, you're probably sick of hearing me talk about shot selection. So what better thing to do than let someone else talk about the importance of shot selection? Because at CoachesEdge.Coach, we have three different presentations on shot selection. We've had Coach's Edge members-only meetings where we've talked about shot selection and how we implement it. And if you're not a part of Coach's Edge.coach, what you waiting on? Like, I mean, you spend that much money in coffee or fast food in a month. Like, just join Coach's Edge.coach and let's get better. And having you, Coach Nichols, on here to dig into a specific topic because shooting is – it's, I would say it's, it's in your bag, right? You, you teach shooting really, really well, and shot selection goes right along with that. What are some of the first things that come to mind when you think of shot selection?
1: Yeah, in, in terms of training. So, if we're keeping it in that, in that boat for now, when I first meet up with a player and we're about to work on their shot, obviously we work right in front of the basket doing form shooting. But one of the first questions I ask is what shots do you get in your offense, and what shots do you personally get when you're Attacking the hoop. And that's the first thing to think about as a player and as a coach. What kind of shots am I trying to generate? And what shots is our offense naturally generating? And there's obviously selection there. Like I think most coaches would agree, we would love to have more shots in the paint. If we can get more shots in the paint, that would be fantastic. Analytics would say we should get a good number of threes up. Our, our varsity program right now, we look to shoot a lot of threes because statistically we see. A good percentage of the time it works for us so there's specific places on the floor that we look to get shots at our varsity program and for players specifically there's always the what's the situation what's the time what's the place what's the score there's there's so much to think about when it comes to being a player I gotta admit when I was a high school player I took a lot of bad shots my shot selection was kind of suspect at times and as I grew older and as I even got to play college ball a little bit with BGSU women's team. I started growing in my shot selection a lot and even swung the pendulum far enough to where I wasn't taking shots when I should be. And I've seen players do that too. So it is a pendulum. Like players got to know who are you? What, what's, what does my coach need out of me? There's so much to think about. And so I think that's why we talk about it so much is because it's one of those complex topics. Any basketball game you watch, if somebody's talking during the game, you hear them talk about, that was a bad shot. That was a great shot. That's a good look. That's a bad look. Because it's, it's just one of the, the main parts of basketball that we're, th- we're thinking about is what shots are we generating? How are we generating them?
0: And I think that's one of the reasons why you can bring a lot of value to this conversation that we're having is because, one, you're coaching games. You're a high school basketball coach. Two, you're also on very much the development side of the game, giving people basketball lessons, doing workouts, working with different age levels. And so you can really come at it from both sides. Uh, I've shared this story before, but uh, I had a chance to work a pro exposure camp for guys that were trying to play professionally overseas. And one of the coaches there that was coaching was a former North Carolina Tar Heel. And he now coaches some semi pro basketball. I cannot remember his name. Terrible by me. Like, this is bad. Um, but anyway, he was saying that he doesn't coach selfish and he doesn't coach stupid. And besides that, you can play for him. Right. And he'll give you a chance to play hard, you know, you're coachable. Um, but that really made me think of shot selection and how easy it is to see what type of player you have on your team simply by what types of shots they take. Now, we're not calling someone stupid like they're a stupid person. What I'm saying is we do stupid things all the time. Just ask my wife, right? I mean, that's a daily, that's a daily thing, right? So it, just because you make a stupid decision doesn't mean you're a stupid person, right? Those, those are different things. So I, I did want to clarify, clarify that. But you could also say that was a selfish shot, right? And so when you watch somebody play, one of the easiest ways to see their basketball IQ. And if they're a selfish or unselfish player, are the types of shots that they take. And for some players, maybe it's an IQ thing. They don't quite understand, right? They're playing hard, they're working hard, they think that's a good shot. We need to correct that. We need to teach that and explain some of the shots that we're trying to hunt down in the game. You've already explained some of those. You wanna get paint shots, you wanna get open rhythm threes. And with Coach's Edge, Coach Troshak uh, has broken down it with our Coach's Edge members the three R's rhythm, range, and room. And so when we're shooting from the perimeter, are you in rhythm? Meaning it's it's not you know a shot where you've, you've fumbled the ball, you've fumbled it off the dribble, it was a really bad pass, maybe you had to extend out, and it just doesn't quite get you into your rhythm up into the shot before you really have the time to get it off and the defender has closed out. So is it a fluid rhythm type shot? We work a lot on rhythm, you and I, when it comes to our shooting instruction, our shooting camps is within your range, meaning it's a shot that you can consistently knock down and practice and scrimmages. So you know you have the green light to take that shot. And are you open? Is there room? Now, all of these things are variable depending on the type of player you are, how quick your shot is, how tall you are, the elevation. So it's important for us to explain the, the three R's basically just, just how I did. So everybody has a pretty solid understanding of that. But then we can go to that next level and explain for each player, right, different strengths or weaknesses as far as being a makeable shot for them and understanding maybe room looks a little bit different for them. And rhythm, everybody's rhythm is also a little bit different. Everybody's shot looks a little bit different. That's okay, right? But once our players understand that, I think it's easier for them to understand the shots that they need to hunt down. You already mentioned a couple of situational pieces that go into taking – Great shots. Now, as a coach, think in season or maybe even preseason as you're talking with your guys. How do you go about teaching this and actually carrying it forward throughout the course of the year?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. And we, we there's some things we've already done and some stuff we're prepping to do in that regard. Because I think every coach can empathize with this. You have at least one or two guys on your team who have never seen a bad shot in their life. Every every look is a good look to them. So there does need to be some sort of language and communication about about what's good. So defining what that language is. If it's the three R's, that's fantastic. If you find something that works for you, I think that's the start because your players need to have something in their head when they're catching the ball. I really love Villanova, what they preach. They say, you're never more open than when you first get a catch. And so we're a team, we like to run and gun. We're looking for the first best, best option that we can get as a shot philosophically. And our rules are this. So you're most open when you first catch the ball. Did you get a good catch? Were your feet set? Or at least in a good rhythm to be set? Are you open? Just like the three R's. So we ask those similar questions. And then we ask, was there a better look? So we, we tell our players, and I, I tell my point guards this especially, like, hey, your job's to know where the other four guys are on the floor at all times. So if, if there's a better, better shot, we need to move the ball. So that's the kind of the language we like to use because we're looking for the, for the quickest, best option. But our guys got to know, it's not always what's the first look you get because there, there is situations where that's not the best look you can get. A, a perfect example of this, one of my starters this year, we're in the first quarter of a game. We run a play to get him a shot in one of his spots. We're looking right inside the paint. He gets a nice catch, misses it. It's a wide open shot, bad start, right? Then the next two plays down, he comes down and has a little bit of space and takes two shots that are totally uncharacteristic for his game. Shots he doesn't practice, clicks both of them. So we were three possessions in, three missed shots from the same guy. We pull on him. I just asked him, did you think you took some good shots? And he said, no, I was frustrated and tried to get it back. And so our guys guys know when they're taking bad shots because we practice the exact shots in practice that we're going to try to get in games. And that does range from player to player, depending on position they play so getting down the communication the first thing i love that you went through the three r's and i kind of shared our art is a little different but pretty close so
0: as i'm, I'm just writing a couple notes down here this is this good stuff you've talked about how you communicate it which gets into basically the implementation phase of that and then i love that you said you pulled them right through possessions you pulled them you had this conversation with them which gets us into how do we reinforce shot selection with our players, right? What is, okay, you, you took them out of the game. You had the conversation about it. What are some other ways, whether it's practice or in games, that you think about having that communication? Maybe there's, hey, listen, we got to pull you. If you're going to take shots like that, just can't play. What are some of those examples?
1: Yeah, we've had, we've had plenty of those this year because we have some some great players who, who liked to be in their bag for lack of a better term. Um, but yeah, often, it, often it's that. And I'm asking guys before the game, what spots are you trying to get to? Cause we've practiced a lot. And I asked those guys later on, did you get to your spots? And there's some guys who, who are really efficient in certain areas and that's where we want them to get shots. And so the challenge to them is always be guys to your spot, get looks that you want to get and that we want you to get. And sometimes that comes before, or after games, A lot of times like when a guy has a a rough shooting game and sometimes if they're being a little um, off kilter, I'm not the type of coach. I give you a lot of chances before I pull you and really sit you down. And at the JV level, which is what I coach, I let guys have bad games. It can be a good teaching moment. And sometimes that's, that's happened this year. This last year, we had guys who had some rough shooting games because they were taking bad shots. And we talked about it at practice and the challenge became, Hey, can you think through each of the the seven shots you took in the game? how many of those were good shots. I really try to put put it back onto them to communicate with me that they're actually thinking about the game and not just taking the first look that that comes to them.
0: Again, we're doing a good job of defining the shots that we want to hunt down. And that could be different per each player, that's fine. But when that's been clearly communicated, it makes us makes it much easier for us to have some of those difficult conversations with players right, hey, like that's not one of our shots. We talked about rhythm, range, and room in a way that we talk about it with our coaches edge members is you want to get a seven or higher in your shot selection, every single possession, right? And so we'd say 10, there is no such thing as a 10 because people even miss dunks, right? So there is no perfect, perfect shot, hundred percent going to make it every time. A layup would basically be an open layup would be like a nine, right? A seven would have those characteristics of rhythm, range, and room. A five would have two of those three R's. A one would have one of those three R's. So maybe uh, you were open, but it wasn't, you know, so you had room, but you didn't have rhythm and it wasn't within your shooting range. Well, that'd be a three, right? Because you only have one of the three R's. And then a one would be like one of the most ridiculous, terrible shots that that you've ever seen. And so for us to be able to, to teach that, have the clear communication. And then as we go throughout the course of the year, we need to be consistent with that because the the thing that I found and it's so easy to do is you get this plan going into the season, right? It's, It's summer basketball. So maybe you're having some of these conversations, but then when games start coming around, a bunch of the things that we said we were going to prioritize go out the window because we spend this extra time game planning, right? And we actually lose sight of the things that truly lead to winning and losing games is one of the most important ones, which is, which is shot selection. So ask yourself, what do you, as a coach, what are you going to commit to, to try to reinforce on a consistent basis? All right, we've talked, we've talked about it. Are you going to reinforce it with film? Like every time you watch film, maybe you watch film, you know, as a team, I don't know, once, let's just say once a week, is there a point during the film where you simply just break down shot selection? Is it biweekly? Is it twice a week that you do it? Is it something that uh, you're starting to do drills in practice that are specifically based on? You know, maybe it's a closeout shooting drill, and players have to decide: Do I pull this? Is the defense too close? Do I put it on the deck? Do I have the choice to shoot it or pass it? And so these are game situational drills, but they're easy for us to incorporate. Good shot, bad shot based on rhythm range and room and and what players are in certain spots. So we can watch film. We can obviously have those conversations. We can talk about it from a a drill standpoint. Um, Players will have, you know, some coaches do the red light, yellow light, green light shooting, as far as you almost have to earn the types of shots that you would take in a game based on your performance with uh, the, the shooting drills that you would do. And also, with some of the shot selection, how you're performing in your practices to earn certain types of, of shots. So there's lots of ways that we can commit to reinforcing teaching shot selection throughout the course of the year and throughout the course of the season. The question is, as a coach, always, there's a lot of great things out there. However, don't bite off more than you can shoot. What are you going to commit to that you can do on a consistent basis and do that? We tell this the exact same thing with our players, right? If you've been playing basketball once a week, I'm not going to expect you to go seven days a week now. you can Maybe you do it for a week and then that's it. You're done, right? But can you go three days a week, right? Can you consistently go three days a week for four straight weeks? Did that, okay. Can you get a ball in your hands? Four days a week now, maybe five days a week, right? Same thing with somebody who's trying to lose lose weight, right? I mean, if you, you've never been to the gym, Okay, and now you're going to go seven days a week when January 1st hits. And and what happens after two weeks? Nobody goes to the gym anymore. Right. Slow and steady wins the race. What can you commit to from a teaching standpoint when it comes to reinforcing shot selection to make sure that you're getting the best shots that can help your team win and then stick to it? So let me ask you this, coach. What are some ways from a practice standpoint that you've had some of those conversations or even that you work on throughout the year to reinforce shot selection?
1: Yeah, actually the exact drill you mentioned is one that we use a lot. I love that drill. I know we do a ton of closeout drills. You know, that's my favorite. And as coaches, we sit and we communicate good looks, bad looks. And it's really simple. Like we, there's a couple guys, Hey, if somebody closes out with you on you with their hands down, we expect you to take that shot every single time, unless you get a bad catch or your feet are not set. So we communicate that early and often. And so we, we love doing closeout drills. We have at least four different ones that we utilize, put them in different scenarios, put them in different situations. And then that's the perfect time for us to communicate what's working. It's good for players too, to experiment a little bit, but then to aid, to start to master their, picking their spots. So that's a big thing we do. We had a few players this year that we actually walked through film with, like you mentioned, and saw a couple players, it was game by game. And some players, it was just a couple of examples of, of, Hey, we've seen this, this exact shot so many times and it's not, it's not working out for you. So we need to, we need to show it to you so you can see the lack of fruit. And I love huddle. Huddle's great. You can utilize that and look at shot charts too and show players. Sometimes they just need to see like, Hey, you're really efficient in this area. Do you even recognize that you should probably look to get there a little more often. And so I think midway through the season, we'd went through that with every player and said, Hey, here's your shot chart are you aware of where you're good on the floor and where you're not? And a good majority of our players were not aware of how well they were shooting in certain spots and how poor they were shooting in others.
0: That's great for you to to break down in a game, especially young players. They're going through the game. Things are moving so fast in their head. Sometimes they don't even realize some of the spots that they're necessarily having success or struggles. They're just trying to keep up with the fast pace of the game. So to be able to break that down, a lot of visual learners out there using video is a great technique for kids to be able to see it and understand it because you know kids are learning so much uh, visually through video now it's, it's an easy way for us to to teach the game. And if your kids watch a lot of basketball right it would, it's a, another great tool, you know, as, as we're doing this, you know, with NBA playoffs WNBA it's easy for us to be able to say this specific player right watch where they get their shots right if there's a player that's out there that has some similarities to one of the players on your team hey look at how they're moving without the basketball look at some of the shots that they take look at some of the shots that they don't take and see if how you might be able to integrate that into into your game you know I, i tell kids take what you want not what you can get and Too many times, I think players settle because they know, okay, I can get this shot and they want to shoot it, right? So they shoot, but that's not what we want as a team or as an individual. You want those high, high quantity and quality type shots that maybe you got to work a little harder, harder to get. Uh, I use this example and and I I apologize, but I probably used it on another shooting episode that we did, but my last year playing basketball overseas, I use that as an example, I was not the best shooter on my team. If we did a shooting drill, right, a shooting workout, anything like that, we did a ton of shooting workouts. You're practicing basically twice every day. Um, but I had the highest field goal percentage of anybody, any guard in the entire league by my last year. And I, I say this story because it's, I say it as humbly as I can, but also like really, confident in the fact that I had a really good understanding of what my shots were in a game. And I hunted those things down really, 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 really hard. And if it wasn't one of those shots that I knew I was going to knock down on a consistent basis that I was practicing all the time, I passed the ball. Maybe it was a chance for me to drive and then, and then kick it out or get an opportunity to score. I was an opportunistic driver because I wasn't nearly as athletic as a lot of the guys that I was playing against. So to be able to have some of that humility and that understanding of What you need to be effective from a team standpoint, individual standpoint, uh, cannot be cannot be understated. And it's going to make you a more valuable player. It's going to give you more playing time. Um, If you continue to take bad shots, Coach Nichols, they're not going to play for you or they're not going to play as much. You're going to give them a little leash and they say, listen, you keep doing that. You just can't play.
1: Yeah, 100 percent. (laughs) <laughs> and it's great at the JV level that we have, we can do that. And it's a place where we can allow players to fail and try. I did want to share one, one story about shot selection from this year that was just such a good teaching moment. So we're playing my guy, Jason Faykosh at Eastwood. And it's a close game, man. We're, we're going back and forth in the fourth quarter and we pick up a, I think we're, we're, t- we're up one with about a minute and six seconds left and we have the ball. Okay, so we're looking to just run the clock, <clears throat> and they're looking to trap us, force us to do something stupid, right? So we're just we're going to move the ball. We're five out, and lo and behold, one of my guys gets a catch in the corner. A trap comes, and he fires up a three from the corner. Air balls. Eastwood gets the ball back with thirty seconds left. They hit a buzzer beater and beat us. Mm-hmm. This kid's devastated. Obviously, he knows he knows immediately the second it comes off his hand. He made the wrong choice. We're up. Got to know the situation. He thought we were tied, so he didn't know time that. We and score, time and score. Time and score. Didn't know. Didn't know that we were up one, so he thinks he needs to make make a hero play. And it's one of those teaching moments. Hey, we always got to know clock, and we got to know the score. I said you knew you knew the clock, um, and you knew how much time was there, but you didn't know the score. And if you would have known the score, you probably would have tried to get a better shot, or or not taking a shot if you would have known the score, but knowing how much time was on the clock, you probably should have looked for a better look. So it was a good teaching moment. And we had, and you know, what was, was crazy. That, that story got redeemed. That same player later in the year, he got another chance. We're in a tie ball game against um, Northview and he gets a look at the end of the game, gets to the rim, finishes it, and we win on that shot. So it's, the players learn. I mean, it's, it, at least at this level, it takes some experiences like that to know what's a good and a bad shot. But, man, we used to joke our, our program as a whole had to be one of the bottom five in Ohio as far as clock management and clock understanding, the amount of times we didn't know what the clock was. So area for us to grow right there and yep. something that all of us as coaches should, should be doing in practicing and practice. Get our guys on the same page to know the clock, know the, know the situation.
0: Nice. I love it. Good. I love when people share, you know, personal examples of, you know, success and failure. It's a great opportunity for everyone else to get better as well. So this was, this was a great episode. Coach Nichols, anything else you want to leave coaches with bits of advice as they work with their players this summer on making sure that they're taking the right shots?
1: Yeah. I think just the one thing that's helped me is just decide what your clear communication is and use it often and, some players are going to figure it out and it's going to be really helpful and, and they're going to help other guys figure it out as well. And I think it's going to be even more interesting if any of our states eventually get a shot clock. This is mm-hmm. going to be a completely different conversation in the future. And I hope it is one day.
0: Yes, uh, that'll be a whole nother circumstance regarding you know teaching shot selection and and um, being able to quickly get some of these shots off depending on how quick that clock is you know I I coached in Germany for a couple of years we were playing with the clock over there with our little kids um, and so it, and I don't know we were watching the playoffs and one of the shot clocks broke on top of the hoop and so they had the box in the baseline corner and we were playing in gyms that didn't have the clock up on top of the basket and so I was used to seeing that when they put when they put the shot clock and the, and the game clock on the bottom right corner uh, I remember that that happening and they would have a long wire going up the sideline all the way up to the scores table so that every time a possession so somebody had this little clicker and they would click it and then it would reset back to 24 seconds and uh, I was like man that's that's tough, right? You can have people standing in front of that spot, tough to see exactly. Um, But that's where you got to have the mindset where you're dribbling and you peek back at the other side. You look back at the other end of the court, right? Because everybody's like, oh, you can't see there's people walking around there. Yeah, there's a clock on the other side, right? It just takes like a half second. You turn your head real quick. Okay, eight seconds left on the clock, right? And then you you keep playing. You just got to have some of that wherewithal uh, to get it done. But uh, I've just heard people saying, you know, you can't, some places aren't going to be able to put a clock on top of the backboard. Listen, in Europe, tons of those small little gyms. I mean, they don't have the money to put a shot clock on top of the glass like, you know, college teams and stuff do. They, they've been playing with it for years and, and they get it done and they're not they're not complaining. So uh, I hope to see it at some point. That's a different podcast conversation. So 100%. thank you. <laughs> thank you for listening to the Coach Edge Podcast brought to you by coachesedge.coach. We appreciate you guys. Coach Nichols, appreciate you. Absolutely. And thank you guys for listening. Get after today.